Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Impact Sessions. Sorry for the long wait. We have, yeah, I just want to say thank you to Nahiri Communities, the team who is operating Te Hau Omanako, for letting us record this podcast in this space. And um, the gear was pretty new, so we got to use it. Got to be one of the first to um, to get to jam it. So if you have a, a need of creative support, help, um, or ideas, hit up the crew at nahiricommunities.nz um, and you'll find them at Communities on all the socials. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to roll um, this little segment from our sponsor. Cheers. Looking for a cool space to work or a legit venue for your next event? Everything you need is here at Te Hao Monaco. Located in the heart of Monaco City, a hop, skip and a jump from the Monaco bus and train station. We've got super fast Wi-Fi, coffee machine, great people and an awesome vibe. Book online at www.teha.nz. Let's go to Teha or Monaco. Hey guys, Andy Crow here, your host for the Impact Sessions podcast. Uh, this is episode five. Uh, been a little bit of a break between episodes and I'm hoping to release three more episodes over the next two weeks and just to wrap the season up and then yeah want to focus on some some really um, yeah want to focus really in on certain niches within the social impact space and base my seasons off of those um, so looking forward to that this episode is with Ira Munn from Eurospace he's busy building um, and doing a whole lot of stuff and you'll hear all of that in this episode uh, one of the things I appreciate about Ira is just how well ready he is how um, and for me um, what's super interesting is the lens that he brings um, to his work and um, do I agree with all of it um, I, you know I can't say for sure but I just love the the energy the empathy the optimism and even just the yeah the realness that comes from his work and from the way that he sees the world. I hope you enjoy this intro. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's roll the intro. It's been said that social enterprises are 10 times harder to build. You're not only seeking financial sustainability, but also environmental, social, and cultural sustainability. It can be a minefield. There are many social innovators taking the leap and pursuing the dream. What are the tools, experiences, and mindsets that drive them? Why are they doing it? And how do they stay the course? That's the job of this podcast, Impact Sessions, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the leaps of faith of social innovators and creating a resource for the next wave. I'm your host, Andy Crow. Let's get the session started. Hey, Ara. Um, so good to have you on the podcast, um, on Impact Sessions. Um, I, won't, I won't do the whole spiel. I'll record that, that separately. And um, I figured that by the end of this podcast, I'd have a really good bio for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, brother. Um, yeah. And... Um, forgot the main thing which was um i have some questions um and yeah we're just to just to kick into it absolutely um, brother happy to be here man awesome man um maybe just let's just start like how are you doing man um well brother well brother yeah um, a lot of wonderful things taking place um i'm co-teaching a course at eastern institute of technologies auckland campus now yeah. Uh, on business projects where the students are developing their own business formulated into groups. So uh, I was invited by Cherie Freeman, who's the director of the Auckland campus, yeah, to start um, teaching and and working with um, Jay, uh, along with um, Ankita Day, and um, giving the students mentorship, advice, um, insights pertaining to entrepreneurship and starting their own business. What would you say is like, um, 
I'm glad you picked up on the students thing and entrepreneurship thing. And there's so many people, you know, trying to impact that space, whether it's on the school level, community group level, or, you know, now tertiary level. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge facing young people sort of coming into that space? I think the greatest challenge is the lack of financial literacy growing up. Uh, the education system, and this is the same in the States too, yeah. do not teach young people about how money works. Yeah. Do not teach individuals about business, about compound interest, about financials, personal banking even. Yeah. You know, just you know, necessities preparing someone to be an entrepreneur or have an entrepreneurial mindset. And even large companies oftentimes desire someone to come into their organization that has an entrepreneurial mindset because of the way it's structured in projects. They want someone to take that initiative and um, and really help improve a certain, you know, outcome for an entity. Yeah. As though it's their own. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so um, the fact that entrepreneurship's not taught in schools growing up, you know, in the early stages, primary, you know, going on into secondary, yeah. you know, it's it's really it's really a shame. And I think if that improves, and if there's opportunities for parents to teach their children about how money works and about the principles of business yeah. and critical thinking. I think that there can be a lot of improvement in preparation of young people to yeah, start businesses. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of my goals is to like not make assumptions. Yeah. And there's three things you said. Um, so one was like how money works. Yeah. Business principles. Yeah. And critical thinking. Yeah. Which one do you want to hit first? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I mean, let, let's let's talk about how money works. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, a lot of people don't even understand what money is. You know, and what counts as money and what does not, you know, um, people don't, a lot of people are just not taught about um, store of value. So you, are you talking like real quickly, are you talking about like the difference they say between like credit and actually having like a positive bank account? That, that's, that's right. And, and also the difference between, for example, um, gold yeah. that has been used as a medium of exchange over the last 5,000 plus years yeah. and has a solid history and it's also been used as a store of value. And then you have fiat currencies that you know is utilized by Federal Reserve's central banks that people use for monetary exchange. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, and then you have other different types of mediums of exchange that are now coming out, such as cryptocurrencies yeah. and so forth, that are used as speculative options. Yeah. but also as store of value and also slowly as medium mediums of exchange. Yeah. So you have many different types of what can be considered money, but then, you know, some of these things that are taken as money don't count. And it's, it's important that young people understand what money is and what money isn't and understanding how to develop some of those personal habits of personal finance that translate directly into business because yeah. really each person is their own business in a way yeah okay. even if you're employed um, even if you're employed at a job you're offering you know your labor in exchange for compensation yeah so in a way you're still running your own business the business of you yes yeah, yeah. so why not learn the principles of entrepreneurship understanding how money works what money is and how to you know generate and build wealth 
that we as individuals can pass along to the next generation and can choose to share with other people and formulate positive ecosystems to affect change, not just giving somebody something, yeah. but teaching them how to grow and develop wealth themselves yeah. in many different forms, real estate as well, yeah. and how to make you know personal value out of real estate, whether it be growing agriculture, yeah. which we'll touch on in a second, oh, man, yeah, yeah. in terms of urban agriculture, because yeah, yeah. um, I'm working on a project related to that. Cool. But um, in addition to that, um, opportunities to identify wealth and how to grow that to help yourself help others and teach others how to do the same. Yeah, yeah. So there's a mentorship component involved that I really think has been missing yeah. because children over the course of the Industrial Revolution have been separated from their parents. Yeah. Usually <laughs> it was the mother and the father that taught their children what it is that they knew in terms of their trade. But you have now industrialization where the mother or the father goes to work. The child is then educated by somebody else. And you don't have that one-on-one -on -one mentorship yeah, yeah. that used to take place yeah. when the, the children used to work in the oikos or like the family economy. Uh, yeah. It's been separated. There's been a divide which I think is also one of the reasons why there's a lot of contention between generations because they don't spend much time with each other. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that formalization of relationships in the first three years of life, but then when the child goes to kindergarten or what, or what have you, over the course of those next 15 years or 13 years, you then have this separation between parent and child that, you know, usually ends up in negative consequences. Yeah. Um, and I think right there, is why um, I just really wanted to have you on this podcast. And I remember, you know, we caught up 18 months ago. Yeah. It's a slight tangent, man, but um, it's just your, like, we started talking about money. Yeah. We ended up talking about relationships. Yeah. And it's just, like, your your ability to, like, see the system for what it is, mm. you know, and, I mean, oh, not, not so much for what it is, but, like, you just, you see the system, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, money is a system, you know, like our relationships, the politics, you know, like um, I think I remember and also cheated a bit. I, you, you did a podcast not too long ago. Yeah. Um, watch some of that. And uh, you've got a, a history in economics, which, you know, if I was to take a guess for you, that's like the that's, there's the, the money system and all that. But there's also the, the politics or power of it. True. Right. Which is the relationships again, which is what systems are made up of. Yeah. And every time I hear you speak, man, like you have this ability to go cool that like I'm going to give you your answer what you're looking for but this is actually what we should be looking at you know what I mean like and so you you made a connection for me um I got I got a daughter she's five she wants to be an artist when she's older mm -hmm. uh well she's an artist right now she calls herself an artist and a designer yeah um and every day I'm just like I I'm sort of like jamming you know like um going oh you know what if we tried this with what you're with what you're doing yeah um not really like I'm not that great with my own money you know um but kind of going trying to, I guess, maybe scaffold the problem-solving side. Yeah. You know, trying to, you know, do some of that relationship stuff. Um, and and now, like, I guess with, after, you know, listening to what you just said, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, maybe we are on some, like, on some sort of path, you know, like the goal is, you know, like she can make a living and, and, and not, you know, suffer like, you know, we expect artists to. Absolutely. But, you know, there's, there's sort of, there's a grounding. And another thing, I guess, like, you know, I hear when you talk about money, how it works and, and what we do with it is 
um, is those choices. And when you say what is money, it's going like, you know, do I, you know, buy the 55 inch TV, mm-hmm. you know, or um, is the 13 inch laptop okay for now, mm-hmm. right? You know, that I got through work um, and then that money that would have gone to the TV, like is better utilized to create wealth in this other space. Absolutely. We have these things that appreciate in value. Yeah. You know, there could be investments that appreciate in value. There can be, you know, fine art collectibles, you know, baseball cards, you know, different things that appreciate in value. But then you have things that depreciate depreciate in value. And so it makes a lot more sense to place your wealth in things that appreciate in value over time rather than something, you know, like a television set, like you were mentioning, or let's say buying an automobile, for example, that is guaranteed as soon as you drive it off the lot to depreciate in value. Yes. Yeah. Wow, man. I, I, we might have to start a financial podcast. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just when I was on the um, podcast with Will that you yeah. mentioned, um, please blow my mind, he, he said, you know, hey, uh, man, he wants to start a studio Yeah. Uh, where people have the ability to start their own podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah, so hey, we, we may have to get together on that. Oh, uh, man, Will, like there's a spot right down here at Nahiri, yeah. uh, Monaco, um, where we're recording this one. Um, Exactly. Man, uh, I feel like I, we didn't do justice to what you just said, and I feel like I should be asking more questions. Um, I guarantee you, we'll probably circle yeah, back. Oh, man, okay, definitely, especially with your brain, man. Oh, man. Um, you mentioned a couple of projects you're working on. Yeah. So the one that, you know, that comes up a lot when you search Ironman is um, aerospace. Yeah. You know, um, but I think what would be really awesome to hear is, um, so aerospace, uh, you're developing a 3D printed electric vehicle, um, and the question for me is, um, like, how did you get here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, when the financial crisis took place in the U.S., you know, um, you know, I taught, you know, U.S. history, world history, economics, and government from 2004 to 2007, and I was working in the financial industry, and so we had indicators of what was going to take place before it happened. And these indicators in the economy, you know, when you have valuations of companies that are skyrocketing on the stock exchange, but then when you look at the financials of the company, it's like the financials are horrible. You know, you look at the balance sheet, you look at the cash flow statements, it's like, what's going on here? But then people are investing, but not investing relative to the financial stability of the companies. And so we see the same things that are happening now And it's been going on for the past few years. And it was going on in 2015 when we decided to move to New Zealand, Sherelle and I. And so we were like, well, this this is one indicator that something's about to pop off again. Yes, yeah. You know, the indicators usually precede the events themselves. But in addition to that, we see, you know, a lot of things taking place regarding people's freedoms and respect for people's rights as individuals that I personally believe are God-given and are immutable, um, but we see violations of people's right to life. You know, we saw increases in police brutality, yeah. um, especially police brutality that's being, you know, recorded. Yeah. You know, perhaps the police brutality had been taking place, yeah. but maybe not being caught. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, um, it's it's the testimony of the police officer that's given credence over the testimony of you know the person whose rights had been violated. And, uh, and so we saw an increase of that um, during the Obama administration, but that's, of course, gone on into the Trump administration as well. Yes, yeah. Um, however, you know, the Constitution 
was supposedly intended to protect people's rights, but we don't see people's rights being protected. We, we see innocent people being shot and killed um, at the hands of civil servants um, without any adjudication, yeah. even after the fact. What I, what I really um, appreciate about your, your recount, right, of your experience maybe at first, you know, and then your, your take on it, um, yeah. is that just last night I got asked, you know, I'm from South Africa, yeah, and um, there's quite a few South Africans uh, yeah, in New Zealand, and um, the, the challenge for me is that a lot of my, like I've still got my South African passport, I'm a resident, you know, been here for 15 years, yeah. but I can't shake it, man. And um, the thing that I struggle with is like when other South Africans say, like, I feel like, I mean, as my take on it, and it's a little bit cynical, but I feel like they they almost like glorify or gangstify the story mm. of where I'm from, mm. you know? And I'm not saying that like bad stuff don't happen mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, like stuff isn't messed up. Mm -hmm. But when you understand the story, right, that there's people, you know, being shot, there's, there's families that need to be provided for, yeah. you know, um, like Cape Town, where I'm from, um, is a population of 4 million. Yeah. Like New Zealand as a whole country is 4 million, right? Right. Let's shove all of us in Auckland. Right. Right. And then like, how many jobs are they going to be? Right. Like how many kids are going to need to be fed? Like how many people are going to need to suffer? Mm. Right. Like to make ends meet, mm. you know? And like, and that's what I really appreciate about your recount is that like you, like you hold the right people accountable, mm. you know? And, um, and I think that's in a way, you know, like, you know, maybe it's a, a slight segue, like that's essentially what we try and do when we create these impact initiatives, yeah. you know, that we give our time to, we give our energy to, we take risks on as like, we want to keep the, the right things accountable, you know? Um, spoke to Ref the other day and um, I don't want to like mention dates because I'm not sure like what sequence the, the podcast will release in, but, it's all good. Um, but, but for Ref it was like, man, like there's not enough like diversity and wealth. Mm. across just Auckland, you know, let alone New Zealand, like just between, you know, the 15 kilometers between South Auckland and the CBD, mm -hmm. there's a 22% like wealth disparity. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, the, the prosperity index is 5.7, whatever that means, Yeah. for Central Auckland, right. 0.7 for South Auckland. Bro. And what's the story, right, behind that, you know, mm -hmm. we could... Um, you know, we could say that, you know, all those people over there, mm. you know, like, like, this is what they're doing. Mm -hmm but we might not account for the whole story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can just travel from Botany Town Center <laughs> to Altara <laughs> Town closer, Center. Yeah. Bro, you know, you, you, you see the investment that's been placed in the buildings and the structures and, and things of that nature, yeah. and, and where there has been a lack of investment, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, there's absolutely opportunities to help improve that disparity. Yeah, and yeah. so like, I mean, like, I wanna jump on this energy, right? Like. Like how do how do those, and I like that you use opportunity because the the flip side of that are the challenges right that exist in these communities that we choose to you know I we live in Mount Roscoe with my family and um, I we've actually tried to leave Auckland a few times I hear you um, and um, part of that was you know teaching salary all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. but also a little bit of family and then um, the people man like. You know, like the the melting pot, like, you know, who don't want my kids to grow up around? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my, my daughter, she's half South African, half Kiwi, and her best mate, Samoan. Like, how cool is that, man? You yeah. Know, like, and then, you know, I'm in this space now, you know, we're creating programs, trying to support people. Mm -hmm. um, so what, I, what I'm keen to hear about is, like, how, do, how does your, 
your lens, right? Like of seeing the whole picture, like impact, like the stories that or the the projects that you think of and like develop. You know, we've got we've got the three D printed car. You mentioned the horticultural project. Like, yeah, let's get into some of that and like what opportunities do you see? Let's say in Otara, because you do you live in Otara. Um, my office is in Otara. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, the aerospace office yep. is incubating at Accelerating Aotearoa. Oh, awesome! Yeah, absolutely, a nonprofit where we teach young people about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics through our geek camps, yep. through the park jams that have been taking place. We have a, another geek camp coming up in this um, uh, holiday period uh, in October. Yeah. So very excited about that. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing robotics. I've, I've taught several robotics classes there. Awesome. And I think, you know, just even in our conversation prior to the start of the podcast, yeah. you know, opportunities to engage young people with science and technology, giving them the inspiration that, you know, they can do it. Yeah. You know, that, like going to a point that you mentioned before, I think this marginalization that you mentioned is based upon a perception yeah, yeah, yeah. that people of color <laughs> oh, can engage in the sciences <laughs> and technology and engineering and mathematics. But when we take a look at our history, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was so much science in terms of navigation here in the Pacific. Oh, oh man. <laughs> in astronomy yeah. and, the, and the relationship between the two. Yes. And, and even in the United States, of course, we see so many inventions that have been taken um, place and patented by African-Americans, you know, so many devices, whether it be, you know, the, the hairdryer, whether it be um, streetlights or whether it be so many different structures and inventions that we use every day, but not knowing, yeah. you know, many have been invented by African-Americans, but a lot of black people don't even realize our own history. And so our, our black and brown communities, once we understand that we have a legacy yeah. of science and technology mm -hmm. and our impact on cultures and on international trade, not only with European societies, but outside of European societies as well, then we can understand that, okay, we come from a history and a legacy that we should pass down to the next generation. Dude. And in order to do that, we should engage in the sciences ourselves yeah. so that we can relate to our young people the contribution that they themselves can pass on to others. Yeah, man. And like, so for me, what, like, and I love that you mentioned that, like, that connection to history. Because um, one of the, I guess, the movements that's happening around STEM mm -hmm. and that, like, I guess, I mean, so for one, like, it's, there has never been a better time, right? Like, the access to tools. Um, and even just the cost of them mm -hmm. and the ability to like actually have some sort of scalability to providing that opportunity for any young person really. Yeah. Um, yeah, a staggering. Um, but then also, you know, like there's this thing around about maker culture. Mm -hmm. And when you think about, you know, and I think especially like uh, Maori and Pacifica cultures and, um, and just like they've been out making people, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, and like we can start with the carvings, we can start with the, the you know the weapon system, like all of those kind of things. Um, and yeah, like I haven't nailed it yet, and you know I'm super keen to see people nail, like yeah, sort of like like mix in those two. Um, mm -hmm. There's a guy on Instagram, um, what's his name, Karamia, um, or K Karamia, um, and he's doing these like 3D printed 
um, carvings essentially. You know, oh, so he's carving on his three D printer, right. his uh, 3D software. Yeah. Um, and then printing out these like things that don't even look 3D printed, right? Right. And it's um yeah, phenomenal. So there's yeah, there's there's the history, but there's also like the actual tools and skill sets. Absolutely. You know, and um yeah, the things that get passed on. Yeah, I mean there there's so much science in terms of analyzing, let's say for example, a thermal expansion coefficient in a certain object to know that under certain temperatures and conditions, how it's gonna perform. Here in the Pacific, that's been perfected by generations of families in the construction of so many devices. And it's not given into account that there was science involved in that. So for us that like, um, I got a bit lost there with the thermo, I kind of wanted to try and say it. What are some examples of that? Exactly, so let's take for example, um, a wooden device let's say a weapon, is going to perform in various conditions of heat and cold because in a colder environment, that particular device is going to, going to contract. Yeah. So you have uh, basically a coefficient relative to temperature and the volume that a certain mass takes up. So because of that, the performance of that particular device is going to adjust. So um, in, a, in a heated environment, um, depending upon what you're using the object for, uh, uh, of an environment of a higher temperature can improve the def- uh, performance or it can decrease the performance or the outcomes that you want. These are things to take into account relative to the environment that you're using the object in. And the Pacifica peoples have been doing that for, for centuries <laughs> and taking this into account because as, as we know, there had been you know such navigation, warfare conducted, agriculture taking place where we had to incorporate all these sciences to determine the best outcomes because the livelihood of our families were on the line. Yes, yeah. So when we see these connections and relationships and when we see the origins of many Pacific peoples, which in terms of the lineage, many came from the African continent. We see that science has been involved in our communities and societies for so long. And once our young people become aware of that, then they can take ownership and understand that they have the ability to do so, even though the expectations may not be there from many other cultures and societies that just expect them to, you know, just step into being a tradie. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, oh, that's all that you're limited to? Negative. No, we can pursue greater things and have many contributions, not only in our communities and our country, but worldwide. Amen. Definitely. Just double checking on some stuff. Cool, still going. Um, yeah, my brain, honestly, uh, I feel like my, I should be, you know, I feel like a, probably like will blowing my mind right now. <laughs> um, yeah, um, one thing we haven't touched on yet is um, some of the stuff that you're working on. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, like maybe I think, yeah, it'd be cool to touch a little bit on the drop, you know. Um, yeah, I think last time we caught up, um, you were testing, we actually caught up not too long ago um, at the Critical Design Workshop, and you were testing with Yoren. Yeah. You know, some of the different, I don't know if that was beginning, end of last year or something. Absolutely. Uh, we brought by a hardener additive, and we brought by um, PET flakes, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, both yourself and, and Rui were so awesome to let us use one of the extruders. Yeah. 
uh, at Critical uh, at Westland Intermediate in order to, you know, test some of the outcomes of some of the combinations and ratios of the hardener additive and the PET. And, uh, and we got some good results, oh, you know, funny. from that. So, so that gives us a good foundation to do further testing. And uh, we look forward to uh, engaging with institutions to do some critical analysis on um, a lot of the properties okay, yeah. regarding what would be the filament to make up the drop, yeah. which would be a monocoque vehicle that combines both the chassis and the exterior body as a single monocoque piece, right. where as a single piece, it can be sent to a customer where they're given the instructions uh, via uh, an Immersia browser, and Immersia is a company, uh, augmented and virtual reality okay. company, um, based at um, the ARVR uh, uh, exchange, okay. where um, someone can, let's say, go on the Immersia browser and take a look at how to build their vehicle yeah. in order to get over that hump because people don't usually build their own vehicles, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But we want to make it so simple, so easy that somebody with a sociology degree like myself yeah. <laughs> can put together a vehicle in about 20 hours or less without any technical expertise. So basically, you're in, incorporating the different components into the main structure, which is already set for you. Yes, yes. So the suspension, the wheels, and, and of course the powertrain, your motors, your controllers, um, is all, we're all given the instructions on how to put it together. Yeah. Um, whereas once it's complete, it'll be easily registrable to be uh, motorway legal on the highways and motorways, and that's the goal. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, very excited about that. Looking so where, where are you up to now, like in terms of the project? Well, just like in life, we have to make sure that we set a solid financial foundation. Yeah, so in the, the trading of plastics and metals internationally, uh, we're looking to use the commissions from that to complete the construction of the 3D printer, large format 3D printer, and also to uh, build, of course, the prototype for the drop, both the prototype that uses a chassis of the California commuter, which basically the drop is an iteration of. Yeah. The California commuter was developed by Douglas Malawicki yeah. uh, back in 1980, got 157 miles per gallon. Wow, yeah. And uh, that was in 1980, bro. <laughs> You know, um, and broke a world record for that, set a world record, followed that up with a world record for diesel the following year in this three-wheeled vehicle, two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back, um, and got 156 miles per gallon for diesel. And we met in 2011. We were both keynote speakers. Yes, yeah. And he said, this vehicle that I did, how about we do an electric version of it? I said, hey, I'm down with that. <laughs> you know, so that was basically the genesis of what is now the drop. Yeah. where in 2014 I heard about this company called Local Motors that developed a 3D printed vehicle called the Strati. Uh, and I saw that vehicle, I'm like, it's an all electric vehicle, 3D printed. Um, they worked with a company called Cincinnati Incorporated that developed a um, wonderful 3D printer called the BAM printer, B-A-A-M, short for Big Area Additive Manufacturing. Oh, yeah that um, and like overnight prints the, prints the whole vehicle. Then you just insert the components and then it's up and going. And I'm like, well, if they did it and they used a combination of um, uh, carbon fiber oh, right. and ABS plastic, yeah. then you know why can't we use that for what would be the drop? So um, that, that's how that, the iteration took place to incorporate 3D printing 
in an iteration of the California commuter. Then when I arrived to New Zealand, um, I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of Chris Keenan. And uh, he's based in Devonport. Yeah. And um, he invited me to his home. We had a chat and he showed me um, his 3D printer. And he said, no, you don't want to use ABS plastic because that's what I was thinking. Because if uh, local motors did that, then I'll do the same. He said, no, you want to use PET. And I said, why PET? Because uh, he said, when PET melts, it doesn't release those noxious fumes that ABS produces when you melt the ABS in the 3D printing process. And he showed me samples of pieces that he had 3D printed using PET plastic, and they were strong. Yeah, man. I, I met him once, and yeah, I'm sure there's some of his vases. And yeah. you know, we tried printing. I think we mostly used PLA at the time. Yeah. And we just couldn't get them watertight. Mm -hmm. But this PET was like magic. Hey, it's it so worked. <laughs> and so I knew that for a vehicle, there we would if we were to use PET that to be structurally sound over the course of 10, 12 years over the life cycle of a vehicle that's going to be going over roads and motorways and going to be dealing with vibrations and, and friction and all of these yeah. stresses, yeah. that there would need to be a hard hardener additive to that. And we've uh, found a naturally sourced um, hardener additive that so far has been working great. And that was what we tested yeah, awesome. when we came by to Critical. So it's just a wonderful journey that we're looking to incorporate uh, reps efficiency technology in. Yes, yeah. um, and um, even just yesterday, um, uh, uh, I visited Hamilton to uh, do some analysis on the efficiency circuit, which I've been demonstrating at various places. And the next generation of that efficiency circuit will be here in about a month's time. That's even more efficient than the one that we're uh, yeah. demonstrating. Uh, so it's wonderful work that's being done um, on the aerospace side regarding, you know, the drop yes, yeah. and uh, also regarding the reps technology that was developed by Andre Williams. So reps and aerospace merged in 2017, yeah. where now reps is a wholly owned subsidiary of aerospace. So now we have the opportunity to share this efficiency technology with the world do further testing at a laboratory in Christchurch. Uh, we did testing at National Instruments last year on the efficiency circuit. That that testing went wonderfully. So we're, we're moving forward and it's so exciting to take a look at what we're doing on the aerospace side and then other developments that are taking place as well. So um, through accelerating Aotearoa and giving a presentation of that efficiency circuit, I met Sheree Freeman who's now the campus director at EIT, Eastern Institute of Technology, and she introduced me to Dr. Clive Cornford, okay. uh, who basically is like the nation's like foremost expert on urban agriculture. He's he's like the New Zealand agriculture guru, right? So we, we met at We Otara, which is um, the location where Aerospace is incubating at Accelerating Aotearoa at 40 Love Grove Crescent. And uh, we just hit it off from there. And um, he invited me to, you know, go along on the journey of uh, what is called Germinating Hope, which is to invite students to learn about urban agriculture while at the same time um, developing a sustainable business practice of urban agriculture, whether it be vertical agriculture, whether it be um, different types of horticulture in terms of um, aquaponics, yeah. hydroponics and um, how we can grow leafy green vegetables, how we can grow microgreens, how we can grow fruits, um, berries, various different things in controlled environments in order to maximize their potential in an urban setting. Wow. 
So, so you know, it's it's been a phenomenal journey, and um, and I met a gentleman by the name of um, Manya Chikongo, and uh, he's originally from Zimbabwe. Well, yeah. And so uh, we formulated a partnership pertaining to the growth of um, of industrial hemp, well, yeah. and uh, we, we're having a goal to uh, launch that um, urban agriculture uh, environment uh, in Zimbabwe, well, where we're growing industrial hemp that has thousands of applications in structures yeah. in vehicles in food in paper um you know it's the applications are more than people even realize and uh and interestingly enough you know it's been utilized years ago yeah. you know um uh, henry ford built a vehicle made out of industrial hemp and you could hit it with a sledgehammer and it wouldn't even dent you know, and so I think for one reason or another, there's been a certain level of technology suppression over the years. Yes, yes. And what I'm excited about in this season of, you know, humanity is that we're coming out of our shell regarding the potential of technologies that have been suppressed for so long, Different. whether it be in energy yeah. or whether it be in the material sciences that have the ability to change the world. How do, you, how do you decide what to, like, take? I mean, yeah, I guess that's two projects you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, there's quite a few there. Yeah, there, there's... Yeah, I made an assumption that just the two big ones are the ones on top of the Yeah, one, and, and... Quite a few going on. Abs absolutely, and, and there's a partnership that's been formulated with um, UConn, and that's a company that was started by Dr. Balarabe Incom, who's now teaching at AUT. Uh, and yeah, and so he's developed proprietary technologies utilizing single-wire earth return in communications, smart metering and um, power line um, communications. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's wonderful. And he just got back from um, Abuja. Um, he just gave a talk um, at a conference in Nigeria. Yeah. So, um, so it, it's wonderful. And to go to your question, you know, how do you decide what to focus <laughs> on, man? You know, because there's so much opportunity. Oh, well, maybe, can I maybe do another follow-up question is, yeah. like, because how do you decide what to focus on? I feels like a, it's a trendy question, right? Because we're all feeling stretched and maybe it's because we're spending way too much time on our devices. Mm -hmm. Like, what's your take on focus? Yeah. So one of the things that we have to understand is that patience and persistent patience yields a certain return after a certain period of time, especially when it's a unique idea that not many other people are pursuing. So as things quote unquote germinate yeah. <laughs> in one area that lends opportunity to focus on other areas. And so um, there's relationships between a lot of these. Yeah. There's a relationship between the efficiency technology and um, the 3D printing. If the drop, for example, can utilize that technology. Yeah. So th there's some there's some overlap here. Um, and so in identifying opportunities for synergy, mm -hmm that can lend the efforts in what would perceivably be disparate yeah, projects yeah, yeah, yeah. to be intertwined to still fulfill combined purposes and goals that reinforce both of those enterprises. I totally get it because there's probably a million reasons I shouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> right now at this point of time in my life. Like, you know, like this, um, but 
yeah, there's definitely synergies, and I think they'll become apparent maybe over time. Maybe they won't. That, like they're apparent to me right now. That's and, right. And yeah, I probably honestly I probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> our, our 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 brains are so powerful yeah. that oftentimes there's intuition yeah. that's there, even at times where it necessarily is difficult to verbalize. But there's opportunities for synergy that our mental intuition is actually calculating, even though we may, you know, perceptively not be identifying it. But if we move forward in it, then like you said, sometimes it becomes apparent over time. Yeah. Because you're right, there, there is an opportunity cost for everything that we do. Yeah. You know, whatever we focus on, that's time, energy, and resources taken away from something else, right? Um, however, if we move forward in what can benefit ourselves and other people and have the vision mm-hmm. to see synergies, I think that's the key for what can be long-term value. Yeah. Yeah. You, I was going to take a stab in the dark here. I feel like, do you have like a set of principles? Like, is there stuff that you go, um, maybe it's like, it's clear or it's not, but like you mentioned stuff like um, persistent patience. Yeah. And um, like, I wouldn't like, you know, I'm not that great with my money, but I know that, for example, um, like I'm on Cheesies at the moment, you know, and they've got a quote at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, from Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Someone is sitting under a shade, sitting in the shade under a tree that someone else planted a long time ago. True. Right? And is that, like, that's the idea of persistent patience. Yeah. You know, and which is, again, like, your, like, the economic view of the world, not just monetarily, but, like, power structures and story and all of that. Um, so I was just curious, man, like, do you have... Do you have like other things like this persistent patience? Is there something else that or other things that you go like this is a good way to like navigate these opportunities? Yeah. And, and this value creation. Yeah, there are. You know, there there's certain principles that have have been identified as um, fruits of the spirit. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, patience is one of them. Long suffering, kindness meekness these are all listed and if somebody were to google you know fruits of the spirit and you know the spirit that's given reference there is the holy spirit so there's god given ability for us to operate under these principles or these fruits that you know reap a wonderful harvest if we exercise them you know and it and it's not always easy but when we do so, you know, we see wonderful things that end up taking place that we ourselves may not have even calculated. You know, we, we do things with intention, yeah. but um, but it's usually intention in combination with exercising these fruits that usually yield a harvest. So, yeah, um, you know, it, it, there, there are principles. Yeah. And and they're right there for us to to read and apply. Yeah. And there, there's there's so much wisdom and knowledge in what's you know now known as the Bible, but back in the day, you know, the Old Testament that we consider old was called the Tanakh, which was a combination of the law, the writings, and the prophets. And you know, you put all that together, it was like you know, thirty not thirty nine books. You know, and then you have what's known as the New Testament nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, back in the day, it wasn't called Old Testament, <laughs> New Testament. You know, it was known as, you know, a Brit Hadasha, which, you know, have the Gospels, has, you know, the Book of Acts, and then has these letters 
of these people that have followed in what's known as the way. Yeah. You know, and the way has been mentioned as such over the course of human history for us to follow. And so um, this way is given to us by the creator of all of existence, you know, by God. And, uh, and so if we follow in the way, then we're able to actualize our God-given talents, abilities, and resources to, you know, help each other to grow and develop and, you know, be a blessing to those around us and be good stewards of this earth that we've been given. Yeah. You know, stewardship has, you know, been mentioned time and time again in, you know, the readings that I read, you know, the Bible. And so we have to be good stewards. We can't just, you know, um, say, you know, one thing and sharing about, for example, the gospel of Jesus, while at the same time, you know, be destroying the world that we've been given a responsibility to steward over um, some people think that there's, you know, a dis- has to be a disparity or dichotomy between the two. Yeah. Just the opposite. <laughs> you know, there, 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 there's a joining there because we've been given the instructions to be good stewards. And we've been given a way for us to walk to, uh, down. So I just real quick. So like, um, so one of the things that this sort of highlight is highlighting for me is, um, so just randomly on my cover, on, my, on the cover out of the podcast is, you know, Impact Sessions, What Drives Innovators? Yeah. Um, social innovators. And and obviously for you, like your faith is a big driver. Yeah. You know, it seems to, yeah, like it's, it's so clear, man, and um, the story that, yeah, that you're telling. And I wonder, like, um, like, is there, like, it's, yeah, it's a tricky way to put a question, but like, is like, what is the... What is the wisdom, let's say, for someone listening who, let's say, doesn't share that same faith base, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're drawing, like, you're a history teacher, you're a sociologist, you're an economist, um, and not to water down anything that you just said, but, like, yeah. what's what's the what's the other, out, like, what's the, I don't know. I don't want to say neutral. I don't want to say, you know. Um, I, I, I understand where, you, where you're going because, you know, in our interactions with, people Mm -hmm. one thing that we have to understand is that we should love and care for one another totally that's everybody yeah so you know it doesn't matter you know what somebody's belief is Mm -hmm. we have to love and respect and appreciate everybody for you know the life that god has given them yeah so in our interactions with people you know, one thing that that we should be number one is unoffendable. So yeah, so like um like I totally agree, and I was just like um I was probably being I was listening and thinking of the question. I guess the, the other way to put what I was trying to say is like, what does that look like? You know, because mm-hmm. I think there's there's ma- there's so many movements happening right now. Yeah. Where you know people are rightfully angry right about stuff and mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure like we could draw a line to some of those principles right that you brought up mm-hmm. and i and for me you know like with i guess the goal of this podcast is like the question then is like what does that look like um and maybe a secondary question is like um you know what does it mean to me and then why should i care yeah you know if i was to be like you you know um just put it out there um so for example you know you shared a bit about um yeah, so for example, you know, being unoffendable um, or, um, 
Yeah, so like, I mean, and the disclaimer is like, you know, I come from the same background, and so I understand the language, mm -hmm. but also like, it is a type of language. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. like, there could be a lot of murkiness in like how we, yeah, because, you know, I obviously find a lot of value from it. You find a lot of value from it. There's many people that find value from it that aren't on the corners, yeah. you know, screaming people down because yeah. of their choices or not just their choices, but like because of who they are. Right? Yeah. Um, they're very easily offended people tend to come across who have a faith background, right? Right. Um, but the question always for me is like, you know, what does that look like? And then so what? Like, you know, mm -hmm. what does it actually mean? Like, you know, um, and that might not, and that might just remain like a rhetorical question. Um, oh, I, I hear but, you. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. For, for example, in terms of how we would act that out, mm -hmm. you know, communication is key. Yeah, man. You know, so, you know, we should have the ability to both receive ideas and express ideas. And if we apply that principle of being unoffendable, then we can receive ideas without taking offense if somebody's beliefs are different than ours and still have the open communication to share what our ideas are. And each individual has the free will choice of whether to adopt that yeah. idea that's been expressed or not. And I guess the follow-up then, for, like, is in the same way that, you know, we're trying to handle it right now, is um, for me, maybe then a tactic for being unoffendable and trying to learn something today is, like, it's not so much like, oh, like, you know, you said God and Creator and all that kind of stuff, um, but it's like, oh, like, can, like, what does that look like? Like, I don't share that, like, you know, this might be a, like a, you know, in, t in the teaching world, like, it might be a frame, mm -hmm. you know, like a question frame. Like, oh, I don't quite understand, like, where you're coming from. But can you maybe try and flip it into something that, like, helps you make it sense from where I come from? Do you know what yeah. I mean? So, like, if we were talking to someone who, I mean, for me personally, I struggle to vote. But if I was someone who was seemingly on the other side of the political spectrum, mm -hmm. um, my father-in-law, um, and we actually get on, like, you know, we get on really, really well. I have amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. um, but my, my, my tactic and my tool is always oh, like, what does that look like? You know, like, if it's about policy, if it's about, you know, like, what does that look like for, like, I met this family, or bring it down, to, like, we try and bring it down to earth, right? Yeah. And I just feel like that practical thing, that tool, that tip, that tactic, you know, there's lots of people, you know, that, you know, are sharing wisdom, sharing principles, and don't mention, like, maybe so much where that comes from, right? Right. And so it's easy to digest. Yeah. Um, but being respectful, I guess, of where someone's starting or what, what their drive is, which is my goal to find out, you know, and we landed there today, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, for me, then, like, hopefully everything that came before is, like, flip. Like, this is, like, and, and we, actually, we talked about, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but before, mm -hmm. you know, that um, the way that you carry yourself through the world mm -hmm. in this, like, positive and energetic manner, mm -hmm. manner um, and then the ability to hold truth and people accountable like mm. and i feel like the right people mm. um is something that yeah i'm totally impressed with man and it's something that i feel like i'm learning you know and um yeah and i'm just so stoked we could have this chat yeah brother <laughs> absolutely man yeah. yeah um it's it's like people sometimes feel as though some people feel like the world is better if people do not express themselves 
especially if somebody's beliefs or point of view is different from their own, they will prefer that somebody not express what their beliefs are. You know, my thoughts are different. I'm like, I would like to know what it is that you believe. You know, let, let's say somebody is, you know, a racist, you know, or a supremacist for some reason. You know, I'd rather us have that conversation about that, yeah. you know, rather than, you know, you not share that. But then it comes out in, you know, other diff- other ways. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, let's let's have a conversation. Let's talk about that. It's what, like release the pressure valve as opposed to like yeah, keep pumping it up. Abs- absolutely. And let, let's have an exchange mm-hmm. where in that exchange that, you know, civil exchange taking place. There's likely to be some perceptions that that person might have had about different races or cultures that ends up being disillusioned. That would not have happened had we had not had that exchange. So in communication, I think that people should have and discuss things deeply in the public square. And let's get to know one another. I don't think that there's really much of a downside to that. Yeah. (laughs) So good, man. Um, We've been going for, uh, I think the time is a little bit off, but 45 minutes. Wow, man. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple more, a couple questions. Um, and I like, I, I don't know if you listen to any other podcasts, but uh, Tim first has got these quick fire questions. Sure. And I was like, uh, I don't really want to set myself up to be, to keep trying to copy, but I've got two things. Yeah. Um, actually, there's three, and I'll ask the one first, which is like, um, because you talked a bit before, um, and I really wanted to ask you this question because, yeah, we spoken 18 months ago um, about the drop, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wanted to know, like, how do you get unstuck or the flip? Like, how do you know, like, what you want to focus on next? Like, what do you want to work on next? Right. Well, I, I think having a solid financial foundation is a key. Um, because when you're when one is able to do that and let's say there's certain amount of income coming in or there's a certain amount of capitalization by which you have some flexibility then someone can more easily navigate you know um, between let's say one project or another yeah. it's much more difficult when you know the financial resources are not there yeah you know um, and which is why I'm so excited about sharing with young people about financial principles so that they can have the flexibility to explore and investigate what it is that they're passionate about. Um, Similar to what you mentioned a a little while ago with you and your daughter, she's creative. There's a way, if she desires to, potentially to make a living from that, from doing what she loves to do and finding out what's the path to that entrepreneurship stage. So, So once that's in place, then we can, based upon events, meetings, interactions with people, okay, what's progressing and what is what is stagnant? Mm-hmm. And to identify if something is stagnant at a certain point, okay, it's on hold. I can focus on these other things that are taking place, some of which are offering certain streams of revenue. And it's good to have multiple streams of revenues because if one or two dry up, you still have one or two over here yeah. that's coming together into yeah. your, your family pool. Yeah, right? yeah. And I had um, I had a friend, Michael Smith, he's a youth worker in Mount Ross School. Yeah. And years ago, he talked about, no, 2015, I remember this chat, and it always comes up in times like this, which is um, a lot of, like, you know, like, let's say the, the question for the family who's struggling financially, yeah. what's for dinner, Yeah, like, is a, is a massive barrier and like 
he would say that being creative is actually also the one of the outputs of that is the ability to make a good decision mm. and with you're always fighting for survival mm. and you're in that space of stress mm. um you know like um i'm not a neuroscientist but like you know our sort of frontal cortex is where all our empathy lives and our ability to be creative and imaginative yeah um but when you're stressed like is it your your thoughts are simply essentially stopping your neck and mm. your amygdala right and so you're it's fight or flight bro um and so yeah I'm, so, I to, so i'm totally on board man with like um the ability to which is you know to answer the question how can i why like why i shouldn't be doing this podcast is also why i can right mm. like <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah. yeah like and we're not like honestly like we we are we yeah, like, you know, it was not perfect, but there are a couple of revenue streams, right? And, like, the ability to create the space mm -hmm. while we can sit here in the middle of the day when everyone else, you know, is, like, working out, like, I know, like trying to, like, win the money yeah. to make things happen. Um, yeah, that ability to be creative then lends itself to, like, being open to those, you know, those opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, I, I understand the aspect that, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, you know, and that, you know, trying times can inspire someone to be creative to find solutions to that. So I see that point. Yeah. But going to what your your friend said, I agree with him yeah. that, you know, when when someone is financially constrained, it can impair creativity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So because you have to focus on, you know, where your next meal is going to come from, you know, how is that next bill going to get paid? You know, and there's been many years where, man, I've struggled financially, you mm -hmm. know, and, and there has been many points in time where it's taken a great toll. So, man, I know the feeling, man. Yeah. You know, and so it, it's 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 wonderful when that flexibility has presented itself where it can open up opportunities and so long as we stay focused on how to both help people be good stewards and at the same time build a financial base where there's multiple streams of income perhaps yeah. from those efforts then that gives us the ability to navigate and then we are able to start to see the synergies <laughs> where some of these have some overlapping um, goals yeah, and points of interaction that can actually be stronger than um, the sum of its parts yeah yeah. You know what I love is that we came full circle. That's exactly <laughs> where we started. <laughs> Financial literacy. Yeah. Okay, so my, my two questions for you is um, an organization that you think um, everybody should know about today. Like one organization that for you, like everybody should know about. Yeah, days. yeah. I Man, accelerating out to Roa, man. Yeah. Bro, the, the work of, um, of Judy um, Spate, of, of Tony Marinovich, of everybody that's been on the team for, you know, so many years, you know, Mary Awe, you know, so many individuals, you know, Coconut Wireless, you know, what she has done for making people aware of what's taking place all throughout Pacifica, Maori communities, and bringing Pacifica to the world yeah. um, through the internet. You know, what Mary's doing is absolutely phenomenal. You know, and I just see so much work being done here in South Auckland, man. And um, and even and even here where, where we're at right now, you know, it's a wonderful place mm -hmm. where right here in Manukau, we have the opportunity to to chat about, you know, discussions that, you know, we feel are, are relevant to people. And it's, it's just it's just an amazing experience, man. You know, I, I've worked with 
you know, Judy for so many years, you know, even before we arrived to New Zealand, helped connect um, Accelerating Aotearoa with a, a similar organization in Los Angeles called AMAN that was teaching young people in Inglewood and in the greater Los Angeles area about the sciences. And so, um, you know, as soon as we arrived to New Zealand, you know, our feet were put in motion in terms of the vision of Accelerating Aotearoa. So if there was one organization that I can mention right now, man, the work that they've done has been absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? They're just getting started, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, just as you're talking, I'll cut this bit out from the clip, but I think I'll pull that out as a clip. And we'll use that as part of the program. Awesome, brother. Um, yeah. Um, and then the final one is, um, I've got here, you know, like a book that impacted you the most, but it might be another medium, mm-hmm. um, a movie, anything that's impacted you the most that, you know, is worth seeing, worth reading, worth looking into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reading a book now mm-hmm. that's called The Law. And it gives an, a, a good foundation for freedom and um, and finance. Um, that it's a wonderful, wonderful book that uh, was given to me by a friend of mine. Um, but if I can name any book that you know has just been an inspiring read, I mean, it it has it has to be you know the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah, man. It, ha- it has to be what people call now the Bible. It ha- it's had such great influence, you know, and there's so much wisdom yeah. to garner from it. Man, it, it, it's it's the one that I recommend, bro. <laughs> and and, um, and a lot of people sometimes have misperceptions yeah. about, you know, those that, you know, desire to follow the way. Um, but I would say, you know, have an open mind, man. And uh, and have a have a sit down conversation with somebody who's you know really read you know the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah and, and you know have those engagements and experiences and see what comes from it. Awesome, dude. Um, we're gonna cap it there, um, but I feel like you might show up in season two again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. I'm down for that, Andy. Just let me know, yeah, man. I'm down. Gonna, we're still gonna launch uh, season one. Uh, by the time people hear this, then you know there'll be twelve episodes to, to pick from. Yeah. Um, man, Ira, thank you so much. Um, again, like your energy, the way you carry yourself, and then um, as someone like you know, I consider myself like a massive learner. Um, I just appreciate like the lens that you you gift. Um, you know, and you, yeah, and just um, and for me, like you know, like if we're to bring this again all the way back down to impact, like I feel like the impact initiatives I've seen that do the best um, or do well are the ones that understand the system. Mm. You understand the system, man, and you know, and um, yeah, I'm gonna be watching watching your story closely, and yeah, when that next chapter happens, you know, the the hemp farms in Zimbabwe. The drop. Um, I think when we first caught up, you was it Indonesia or Singapore with a single, you know, with oh, I don't know. You were talking about like a, another country where the drop would be perfect, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. We we were talking about Indonesia. You know, it's a great market. Um, you know, the climate there. You know, I think people can really use a vehicle that offers some protection from the elements. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there, in in um, Southeast Asia yeah. and Indonesia in particular, amongst others, I think will be great um, opportunities for the drop to flourish if it's adopted well, and we'll find out. Awesome, man. Yeah. Cheers, bro. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
Thank you so much uh, for listening in to that um, yeah, fascinating conversation with Araman. I hope you got something from it. I hope something you can pull something from it that you can use in your own venture. Um, until next time, peace. <laughs>